0: Good morning. Seriously, to the brave and to the few, or to the ones with good cars. I don't know which one it is, Um, but we are glad that you are here today, and uh, just glad for the things that the Lord puts together last minute Uh, This Sunday was supposed to be our, it's our Hope for Kids Sunday. Uh, We're going to have our guest speaker, Tom Agum, uh, the founder of Hope for Kids International, uh, which is the organization that we work with internationally, uh, go on trips with, and do our wells. And uh, so Tom was going to be here, but he heard the storm was coming. We didn't want him to get stuck, so we switched plans last minute, and I get to be here instead which is a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs> this is a fun crowd this morning. I can tell that. Uh, this, this Sunday is uh, kind of a launch Sunday on the mission side of Bridgewood here. We are launching our missions trip applications. We're going to be going to Uganda as a church this November And uh, we are going to be with the communities there that we raise money for water. Uh, We're going to be with our sponsored kids, do all kinds of things. So this is the launch of it this Sunday and the launch of our Walk for Water. You see your insert in your bulletin, save the date, Walk for Water, June 1st. This is a phenomenal event where we as Bridgewood get to come together and we get to stand on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Uganda who do not have safe drinking water and we get to raise money for them. So today you can, if you want, sign up, start a team, start fundraising. This is all of us coming together to do it and it is going to be a lot of fun. Well, I am honored um, to be able to share with you guys this morning a little bit about missions and to share with you some of the journey that I feel like the Lord has brought me on over the years. Uh, when I look at what the heart of missions is, I, I see the core of it as human connection. The core of missions is that one on one, human connection, where we're able to really see someone, to really see them for the value that they have in the kingdom, to really see them for what's happening and going on in their lives. And I feel like that is the core of what missions is. Today we get a look at a fun story in scripture, and it's the story of Bartimaeus, and it is in uh, Mark uh, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, where I'm going to be reading out of the Passion translation this morning. Uh, but we get a look in his story and see the power of him being seen, and how that changes his life, and how that changes his destiny. So if you'll turn with me to Mark 10:46, it says: "When Jesus and his disciples had passed through Jericho, a large crowd joined them. Upon leaving the village, they met a blind beggar sitting on the side of the road. This is the moment where Jesus gets to meet Bartimaeus. This is a moment this is similar to things that happen into our lives frequently when we're going to work or we're going about life and there is someone there. And oftentimes we might look at those people, but few times we really see those people. And this moment in this scripture is when Jesus really sees Bartimaeus. Do you remember at all, if you look back in your life, maybe the first time that you really saw someone the way that we're talking this morning, where your heart was pulled with compassion? Or maybe it was the first time that you were just flooded with emotion. It could have been when you were young and you saw someone bullied at school or you saw someone in your family that was hurt or in pain Um, Where might those moments be as you look back in your life when you first felt that pull and you really, really saw someone? Um, I grew up in a family that was very naturally missional. My parents were really good examples of just doing this very naturally. They would pay attention and they would see the people. Grew up in a small town, 750 uh, so they would see people in our town that were on the outside, or they would see people that were lonely, or they would see people in family distress. And they were always really good at inviting people in. And those people would come to our dinner table. Sometimes they would end up staying for months or years. We had people living with us. And so I always got to watch us as a kid, and I always got to watch these people coming in and out of our house. My dad is just a really funny guy, just super down-to-earth, he'll run into someone at the grocery store, and he, you know, they don't have a place to stay because the one tiny hotel in town is booked, so he's inviting them over to our house to spend the night, or they're camping in our backyard. And one time, a funny story that always makes me laugh about my dad is, this is a time, we were really little, I have an older brother and older sister, we're all within three and a half years. So we we're pro- probably all under five, and we were driving somewhere. We were in our brown station wagon. I think we had four brown station wagons in a row. <laughs> so we're all in the back row. My parents are up front. My dad's driving, and uh, my dad sees a homeless guy on the side of the road. So he just like casually pulls over and just starts chatting with the guy seeing what he needs and what's going on as he's talking to him he quickly realizes that this guy is extremely intoxicated and he's just slurring and you know saying i just need a ride like a few blocks up the road so my dad looks at my mom who gives him like the death stare like no way are you putting this drunk guy in the back with our three little kids so my dad caught in the middle of this tension just goes, sure, hop on the hood. (laughs) So this guy, is happy as can be, here's the window, you know, he crawls up on the station wagon, he's literally face-in looking at my family, just smiling, trying to hang on to something. My dad drives him a few blocks, and he jumps off and goes about his way. (laughs) So I grew up like that. And I know when I look back in my life, the moments where I really felt my heart being pulled. In that moment, I was too young. But later on, my parents took uh, our whole family to Guatemala. Uh, We went there for a month. I was six years old, and we went to do missions work. And it was a really fun experience. You know, I was six, so I was a little scared, and I was taking in all these new, different things. We got to live with a family, and we got to, we'd go to Spanish school every day, and then we would also go out, and we would go to lots of different orphanages. Uh, my dad is a contractor, so he'd be able to fix things at the orphanage that needed some fixing, and my mom's a teacher, so she would kind of step into that role. Here's a fun family picture for you guys to see. Guatemala. There I am right there in the middle. My dad has a nice mustache. I'm pretty sure he still has that shirt, too. And yes, we we are in matching dresses, of course. Um, so this is when we went. And um, for me, I specifically really remember just one time. And... We had gone through all these different orphanages, and we got to play with the kids, and I knew it was my job to play with the kids and to love on the kids. It didn't have moms and dads. And one day we went to... It was an orphanage, but it was really a, a part of the hospital. And we walked into this room, and the room was just filled with cribs. In my little six-year-old mind, it was ginormous. And there were all these kids in these cribs. And many of them had physical disabilities. I remember just seeing this boy, and his head was twice the size it was supposed to be. Many of them had been abandoned or were malnourished. And I just remember as a six-year-old, as all the adults are talking around us, just looking at these kids and just seeing them in this way, that my heart is pulled. That the compassion is pulled in me. And I just got to look at them, maybe play a little bit and do a few things, but value their life in that moment. We look at the story of Bartimaeus. And we see that he is a lot like those kids. He is... A man that is forgotten. He is disabled. And he is longing for someone to see him. And when I picture it, when I think of it in that moment, that he's outside, we know he's outside of the city of Jericho, a large city. And for me, it's helpful. So if you want to do this with me, you can. But just close your eyes for a second. He is a blind man. He has no sight. He probably can hear the crowd coming. He can probably smell and taste the dirt that is being stirred up. That's all he has to go off of. He hears the talk of Jesus coming. And this is what the scripture says. When he heard that Jesus from Nazareth was passing by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me now in my affliction. Heal me. Now, he is sitting there, and he is blind. He cannot see. He does not have the eyesight to know Jesus, but he has true, deep insight into who this really is. It says, Those in the crowd were indignant and scolded him for making so much of a disturbance. But he kept shouting with all of his might, son of David, have mercy on me now and heal me. This is a large crowd. This has got to be a lot of people. And he is there on the side of the road and he is screaming. I wish we could hear that scream. I wish I I, could even be, I couldn't even begin to interpret what that scream sounds like because that is a deep, raw, gut, desperation, scream that he is saying. And for me, when I read this verse, my heart is pulled because I think of how many people are Screaming that gut scream right around us. How many people within our communities, within our neighborhoods, within our cities that we see and we don't know they are carrying that deep within them, that gut scream, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me now and heal me. Sometimes we get to see the physical needs of that. If it's health, if it's shelter, um, we get to see the physical needs that people have. But so often we do not see the depth of the spiritual needs that people have, that they are crying out with. This is that cry that our neighbor has, that we see them and we might say hi to them, But we don't know what's going on in their lives. They look, they might look like they have it all together, or they have more than you, or they have whatever. But they have a cry that is deep in their heart to be able to come to Jesus. When we look in the scripture of what does Jesus do when he hears this, I think that this is just a phenomenal lesson for us. So Jesus, it says in verse 49 and 50, Jesus stopped and said, call him to me. So they went to the blind man and said, have courage, get up, Jesus is calling for you. So he threw off his beggar's cloak, probably the only possession he had, he jumped up, And he made his way to Jesus. And I love this as an example because Jesus is right there. Jesus is in this crowd. This whole crowd is following him. And Jesus hears the desperate cry of Bartimaeus. And he could have just walked right over there. And he could have gotten down and he could have touched Bartimaeus or looked at him and said, I'm here. But this is a scripture that's an example for us he doesn't do that. He turns and he looks to his disciples and he says, Call him to me. And that is what Jesus is still doing today. He is turning to us, church, to you and me as his disciples, and he is saying, Call them, call him, call her to come to me. He knows the power of us coming in our flesh and in our humanness and being with someone in the midst of a trial. He knows what it means for us to go and to see them and to call them to him. He tells us that we get to see. We get to see these children that we support in Uganda. We get to see our neighbors who are silently suffering. We get to see the mom in the carpool line that stands out to us. We have these moments where Jesus breaks in and our hearts are pulled. I want to share with you another story of, uh, this is one, oh, sorry, I forgot to skip through these scriptures. I read them to you. Um, this is one of a man named Paul, who uh, I had the privilege of meeting in Uganda this summer. And uh, I just got to spend probably half a day with Paul, and he had a huge impact on my life. So this was one of the first days that we were in Uganda, and uh, we went uh, to go serve in a village, and when you go to the villages in Uganda, uh, there's just a dirt road, and then you'll see this, like, tiny goat path, literally made by goats, so just this small little path. And you, you head out in the goat path, and the goat path leads you by different people's huts, and you walk by different fields of corn or things that they're growing, and you walk under trees, but you just follow the goat path. And you look behind you, and there's like 30 Mzungus, who are white people, uh, because you can only walk single file. So you've got this whole single file line uh, going to the village. And it is one of my absolute favorite places to be, is on those goat paths. So we were walking there, and uh, we walked for a long ways, and then we turned in to Paul's house. Uh, Paul was sitting on the ground. Uh, Something is wrong with his legs, and they don't work very well, uh, so he's not able to stand well. And so these 30 Mzungus come and kind of surround him and his house, and he's so happy that we're there and probably a little uncomfortable with all these people staring at him. <clears throat> and the translators talk a little bit, and they say, we just need four of you to stay and you're gonna help remud Paul's house. And so his walls are made of mud and brick, and we needed to remud all the different holes to keep insects and keep his structure secure. So four of us volunteer, and uh, we stay. Here's some pictures. Uh, this bottom picture over here is the hut. Uh, so it's About twice that big. So it's that big, and then there's another half of the house. But in that room, this little boy is watching us. In that room, there's like six of us trying to mud (laughs) the walls. It was quite tight and quite hot. And then on the other side is um, just another little section where his chicken lives, who lays eggs. And it's just a dirt floor, and it is just this tiny little room. So we were mudding for a while and I stepped outside and I wanted just to get some fresh air and Paul was sitting there on the ground and I sat down and I just shook Paul's hand and just smiled and he shook my hand and we both just looked at each other and just smiled back and forth. I was so grateful that I was able to, in that moment, sit with him and show him that he is seen. That this man that is not valued in his community, he is poor, he is disabled. He's disabled so much he's not able to take care for his kids or his wife. He is disrespected. People have stolen things from him. And I get to be there on this hot, sunny day and just sit on the ground with him and look him in the eyes to represent the value that he has in the kingdom of God. I mean, this is a man who probably—he's lived in this village probably his whole life. He has had a hard, hard life. And all of a sudden, one day, 30 Mzungus show up saying, we want to help you. We see you. We value who we, you are. We value your life. So Paul and I sat, and we, I just had to say something, so I just started talking and telling him how grateful I was to be at his house and how much I care for him and how thankful I am to be here. And then he just started talking back to me We don't speak the same language. He speaks a dialect. I speak English. But I felt what he was saying. His eyes were full of gratitude. He was overwhelmed by this, by people seeing him, by people valuing him, by God seeing him. It's the most beautiful representation of God seeing us This is why I want people to go. This is why missions is important. It's important in our neighborhoods, and it's important to go. Sometimes people just want to write a check. You know, I'll just give you the money. But it is so much more important to be there, to look at people in the eyes, to see them for who they are, to value their life. When we do money for these wells, it is unbelievable to be in the villages. Sometimes they go, how did God find us? Like how, we're this tiny village in the middle of this country, in the middle of Africa. How did God find us? How did he send people all the way from America to come here and to see us And to meet our needs, God hears our cry. So when we go and when we see, we are the flesh example of God hearing their cry. Now, (laughs) what does Jesus do? when he hears Bartimaeus' cry. Jesus says, Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The man replied, My master, please let me see again. Jesus responded, Your faith heals you. Go in peace with your sight restored. All at once, the man's eyes are opened and he could see again. And he began at once to follow Jesus walking down the road with him. We see all throughout scripture how Jesus' compassion leads him to action. And guess what, church? He created us in his image. Our compassion is meant to lead us to action. When we feel that overwhelming pull or that emotion, that is a call within us to lead us to action. Sometimes people don't want to go to the poorest of places because they're afraid of how it will break their heart. But that's just an invitation to let Jesus pull on your heart. And I love in the scripture how once he sees God, he knows immediately what he is going to do. He began at once to follow Jesus To walk down the road with him. So, with that, I ask you this question Jesus, who do you want me to see? Who is it within your life, within your weeks? Maybe it's that mom at the carpool line. Maybe it's that coworker that drives you nuts, but Jesus wants you to see something deeper. Maybe it's the kids in Africa. Who is it? So let's just take a moment. We're just going to each personally ask the Lord that now and see who he brings to mind. So, Father God, we stand together as a congregation, Lord, and we ask you, Lord, who do you want me to see? Okay, if the Lord brought someone to mind, write that name down or that people group. Um, If you had a hard time connecting with it here, that's just fine. Just ask the Lord that when you're alone with him this week. Jesus, who do you want me to see? Maybe it's someone within our congregation or another believer that you just see is struggling. But Jesus, who do you want me to see? Um, I am excited for the ways that we as a church get to see and the ways that we get to stand for people. So think about that today. If the Lord has pulled on your hearts in any specific ways, if there's a part of saying yes maybe to the missions trip this year, that we as a congregation get a stand on behalf and for those people. Or if your heart is pulled, to fundraise and be a part of the walk for water. We want to continue to be a people that stand for those things and that stand for those people that value those lives and that see them. We're going to end this morning with a video. Uh, This is from our missions team last year, and it is a lot of fun. If you come on a missions trip with me, you're going to have fun. Uh, But this is so you get a taste of what it is. We'll have a table out in the lobby if you have more questions. God bless you.
1: Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart. Here's my heart, Lord Here's my heart, Lord Speak what is true Cause I am found and I am yours I am loved And I'm made pure I have life. I can breathe and I am healed and I am free Here's my heart, Lord Here's my heart, Lord Here's my is my I am healed, and I am free, because you are strong, you are sure.